This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Hi everyone, I'm Jane Tara and I'm chatting to authors and experts about their self-help, wellness and personal development books. If you're looking for ways to be happy, be well and be inspired, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Better Reading B. Sandra Radici worked as a print journalist before moving into TV production as a researcher, producer and writer. TV credits include Compass, Q&A and The Great Outdoors. Her wanderlust for travel was sparked at a young age by her parents' tales of migrating from Italy to Australia. In 2018, Sandra, her husband Tyron, who I noticed in the book you said you met in high school, so that's amazing, um, and their daughter Taylor embarked on their own adventure when they relocated to Bali to be part of the famous Green School community. Our Green Change is her memoir of that time, and she's here to talk to me about it today. Sandra, welcome to Better Eating B. Thank you so much, Jane. It's so lovely to be here. It's a fascinating read and certainly landed on the right desk because I know something about the Green School. I think I, I mentioned to you just before we started recording that I looked into it for my own son. And so it's an amazing school and it's wonderful to read a first-hand account of a family who actually moved to Bali and became part of that community. So just talk to uh, the listeners a little bit, just tell them a little bit about the book. Okay, well, when we, we went off to Bali to experience green school, so literally the school was the reason that we moved to Bali, I had no intention of writing a book while I was over there and I think it was when I got back that I started to think it was during COVID that we came back and I started to think about what we just experienced in light of the fact that we were suddenly all in lockdown. I mean, I'm, I'm quite a um, voracious journal writer. I love, I love journaling. So I'd taken, I'd written a lot while I was over there in my journal and I'd been writing blogs about um, our time there. And a lot, of, a lot of friends and family on Facebook were really encouraging and they loved hearing the stories. So during lockdown, I thought, I started to think about what an what an experience we we had had. Um, you know, I like I like to call it the last days of disco. You know, before the world shut down. Mm. You know, before everyone was wearing masks and you know using hand sanitizer. We just had had this quite amazing freeing experience, so different from your everyday lives. And I wanted to capture that into a book. I wanted to capture it both for us as a memory, but also I think. I was quite inspired by what I was learning. You do learn as a parent at green school. There's a lot of opportunities to get involved in the community. And I felt really inspired by what I was learning about environmentally and also, I guess, the opportunities that that experience uh, was giving us as a family that I wanted to kind of put that down and let other people be inspired by it. Yes. So for the listeners, the Green School is an alternative school in Bali. In your book, you write, what do you want in a school? And it's from the Green School website. Mm -hmm. um, what do you want in a school? When you step onto a school campus, what do you want to see, hear, experience and feel? Imagine this, a school without walls, a campus which ignites the senses and the natural curiosity of children, a place where innovation, 
creativity and learning flourish, a community which has come together from all corners of the globe to share new experiences, a place of joy. Now, that says it all, doesn't it? It's the ideal schooling situation, right? it It is for some. And I guess what it really does, both physically with the stunning bamboo campus that's located in the in kind of uh, across eight hectares of semi jungle in Bali, it challenges what a school should look like and also what a school should be like. Mm. And I think that's what really captured me. I hadn't heard of Green School, even though it has been around since two thousand and eight, and I stumbled across this article in the Good Weekend in early twenty eighteen. And I'd just been to Bali for a wedding, so it was fresh in my mind and um, no concept that I'd maybe one day live in Bali or anything like that. And there was something about this article about Green School that just captured my imagination and made me think, could we do that? Yes. You know, as a family? I mean, I travelled quite a bit in my younger years. I'd been a travel producer on The Great Outdoors you know, we travelled before um, trying to start a family and then I guess I thought so many people say, oh, once, you know, do your travelling, then you settle down, then you have the kids, you know, yes. you wouldn't want to disrupt the children's education. And there was just something in me once I read this article that made me think, why not? Let's try. Yes. Look, I think this is um, one of the reasons I loved this book. It's uh, Better Reading B. It's health, wellness, lifestyle books some books that we feel will help the reader be happy or be well or be inspired. And this certainly fits that category of being inspired. I spoke to you briefly before the podcast. I'd looked at the green school for my son who was or still is mildly dyslexic, but was severely dyslexic in school. And I thought he needed a different type of education. He needed something else because the traditional education system was putting him at risk. Not Mm. that there was anything innately wrong with that. I'm not saying that, but it was wrong for him. He wasn't thriving. No. And so I thought, what do I do? But in the end, I took him out of school and um, we traveled for a year. And then I put him into a particular program that helps rewire the brain. And it was Mm -hmm. really effective for him. So this is uh, the green school to me always seemed like a a type of educational utopia, but that's because I do have neurodiverse children. And as you say, it's not for everyone. There are a lot of children who thrive in a traditional setting. Yes. Um, My daughter was one of those. Right. (laughs) Thrive in a traditional setting. And I love that because that, you know, it's a point of contrast in the book. You're actually taking her into, she didn't need to be taken out of school. No, she didn't. Yeah. And that was the interesting thing. We always knew, uh, Taylor uh, was only nine at the time. We always knew it would be a little bit of a challenge for her. She was quite reserved, quite shy, um, a very good student, you know, Mm. by all accounts from the teachers. She, you know, not disruptive. She um, followed instructions well. She did her homework. Although we were starting to notice that she would put a lot, and even as a nine-year-old in year four, she'd put a lot of pressure on herself to finish the homework you know, I could see, we could see this tendency, this slightly anxious tendency coming out in her. And I have a background, I talk about this in the book, I've experienced anxiety, I've had, you know, something I've had to come to terms with and do manage quite well now, but I've had some some pretty scary um, experiences there. 
And I, I was starting to question a little bit mainstream education and not so much in primary school, but what I'd been hearing about the amount of pressure that high schoolers in particular put on themselves to do well in the HSC, to excel at tests. You know, I was hearing, you know, I have, I have since heard, you know, about kids who lie awake at night with the ATAR score of 99 uh, plastered on the ceiling. So that's what they go to bed looking mm. at because that's what they really want to achieve. And and I just thought, is this all there is? Is this what education should be? So I guess, but interestingly, she was, you know, doing well in that system, but we just thought try something different and at the same time have a bit of a family adventure. So I think that was the motivation behind it. And um, I think that's what's really inspiring about the read as well because I understand that, you know, for many people to take their children out of school and go off and do this type of thing, it's not within their reach like that's both right. of us have done. But this is really the essence of your book is about a family who decided to grab hold of life. Yes, and definitely. and have an adventure together, and and you know weave that into the tapestry of your family. You write very honestly about the painful journey that you went on to become parents after suffering multiple miscarriages, and then the unfathomable loss of your first child, Jesse, hours after he was born. Yeah. So two years later, Taylor was born. Yeah. More rounds of IVF after, and then you and Ty decided enough. You, you know, um, you're right. We have a great life. Let's start living it. That's right. So how instrumental, I mean, to me, it seems like it was very instrumental. All of this was to your decision to actually grab hold of, of this period of time and, and think, have this as a family. Yeah, I think it was really instrumental, Jane, in the sense that, and I don't think you realise it when you're in it, Yeah, but so much of my 30s was about loss and miscarriages mm. and thinking I could never be a mother and everything that comes with that. Um, we were, you know, it was obviously, um, I actually wrote, I call it my misery memoir. I wrote a memoir about the difficulties I'd had of becoming a mother and it's kind of still on the shelf. I haven't done anything with that. I tried to get it published a few times, but it just felt quite raw and like I was putting that, my own story, I was kind of exploiting my own story. I just, I think the writing was enough for that Mm. and then I shelved it. I think there was something about that experience, and I didn't realise it at the time, that I kind of shut off a little bit. Life got scary. You know, when you lose a child, life gets scary. And we were so grateful to have this 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 healthy child, Taylor, come into the world two years after Jesse, that I think but some of that fear stayed with me. Be careful. Oh, yeah. Be careful. Also, I'm the daughter of migrants. I talk a bit about this in the book. And I do think it's interesting that like my parents were barely young adults when they came to Australia. They had to leave their own parents behind. It's quite a typical migrant story. And then they have their own kids in this new land and they're very protective. So Mm. I had quite a protective, lovely upbringing, but quite a protective upbringing. And so I guess I didn't want that sense of fear, that sense of the what if to kind of strangle our family or my parenting style. Mm. So when this concept of green school came up, I thought this is a chance to be that person who says why not instead of what if. Yes, so it's that a big was, leap. It's a, yes, it's a it big, is. And for my, my personality, yeah. I'm not yeah. one of these spontaneous, my husband's more spontaneous and I'm not. And the funny thing was 
I found the, I saw the article, I pushed for us to go. The minute it became real, I was like, oh, I don't think so. I don't know if we should do this. And that's when his sense of everything's going to be okay, which which buffers my kind of more anxious personality, came into the into play. And he was like, yep, we're going to be okay, we're doing this. And that encouragement got me over the line to just think, you know what, it's going to be okay. Whatever happens, we're going to go, it's going to be okay. We and, might come back know, three And a lot later. happened. A lot, a lot happened, happened. Because particularly for someone who, as you say, it gets anxious, mm. has this background of, you know, being fearful, you know, because of everything that you've experienced. The lead up to it had its dramas. Taylor totally. broke her leg. Yes. And that's, she's <laughs> yeah. more like me in personality type. So that wasn't, you know, everyone kept telling me how kids bounce back from, you know, when they break their leg, oh, she'll be up and running in a couple of weeks. Well, no, I have a very sensitive kind of child. And that wasn't the case. Like it was very stressful, the lead up to leaving Australia. And I was constantly thinking, why am I doing this? Mm. It's almost like I jinxed myself. Be careful what you wish for because here we are, we're going, we're taking the leap of faith, but all this stuff is happening behind the scenes that's making me think, why are we doing this? (laughs) But we do it. And then we do it. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Not everyone does. No. And this is why this is an inspiring read because I think a lot of people want to, but change is frightening. Change can be very overwhelming for some people, but they dream of these sorts of adventures. They do. And, And to hear that it's not easy for someone who has had that type of adventure, I think is a really beneficial thing. Oh, I hope because so. It's, it's not just, you know, oh, this is so easy and let's get on the plane and off we go and have an adventure. You really struggled with it. You also, when you got there, there were adjustments to make, uh, scooter accidents, earthquakes, a snake in your villa, and then Ty went into serious anaphylactic shock a yes. bit further on yes. in, in your trip and you had first hand experiences of the hospital over there, yet you stayed. Yes. I think it's almost like all the stress happened before we left. We Mm. arrived and, like I explained, there was an earthquake in the neighbouring island of Lombok the weekend we arrived, which was felt in Bali and, you know, the earth moved in our little villa that we'd just moved into um, that day. 
and I'd never had, I'd never experienced an earthquake. I remember thinking, who do we call? We don't know anyone. We've just arrived. <laughs> I lived in Japan for five years, so I know earthquakes and, uh, yeah, it can be very disconcerting. <laughs> it was, and aftershocks were happening in the days after that. But the th- one of the beautiful things I think about taking that leap of faith is that I think the universe somehow helps you land, you know, and I think for us it was becoming immersed in the Green School community, meeting other families that had done the exact same thing. One family in particular I refer to as our blind date family. Mm-hmm. So um, that is um, Green School has this uh, Facebook page for new families and I noticed people were posting they were initiating meetups, you know, I've just arrived and starting green school next week. Does anyone want to meet up? So I thought let's do the same thing. And this one family responded, a woman, Mel, whose husband Richard and daughter Poppy had already been um, in Bali and at green school for a year and they became like our Bali besties. And the minute I met another family from Australia as well that had kind of done what we had done, I felt like this is going to be okay. You know, there are lots of families here from around the world all with different backgrounds and histories and perspectives and we're all here together in this international community and we're trying to do life a little bit differently. So pretty quickly things settled down when we got to Bali and I I often say that um, the universe's payoff for us taking a leap of faith was meeting that family because I just thought they've done it. They've been here for a year. Um, Their daughter Poppy was an only child like Taylor. I mean, I, I, I say Taylor's an only child. I have two children, one yes. that isn't with us. Yes. Um, and she bonded with Poppy straight away. We ended up living in the same compound of villas in the same village in Ubud. And I just think meeting other families doing something similar. And I couldn't believe how many families from around the world are doing this. They're unschooling or they're world schooling or they're they're just trying out different education systems with their kids. That was a bit of an eye-opener for me. Yes, and it, and this is the the guts of the book where you talk about your time there. And so, for the listeners, listeners, <laughs> talk about Taylor's experience a bit. We always knew that she would take a little while to warm up to the experience. She doesn't do. We'd notice that she doesn't do change that well. A bit like me, actually. A lot of the things she struggled with were things I would definitely have struggled with at her age. Mm-hmm. Someone asked me recently. How would a nine-year-old Sandra have handled green school? And I went, oh, my goodness, I think I would have found it really difficult. (laughs) I mean, I wasn't really a nature kid. I grew up in suburban Sydney um, with quite protective parents. We weren't really, we never camped. You know, we weren't really running around barefoot, you know, in in the jungle. So I kind of knew she would find it difficult, and she did. I mean, she had a broken leg as well, and she was navigating a jungle campus um, that's a sprawling jungle campus with a moon boot. Yeah. So I think that really affected her her experience of it. But slowly she started to warm towards it. Um, she, I think she struggled a little bit. She felt sometimes she wasn't learning. So she'd say to me, Mum, I'm a bit bored, and mm. I'd think, how can you be bored at green school? There's so much going on. But I think it, a lot of it is hands, but you know, is craft projects and outdoors and, and working with, with your hands, building and making things. And that's not really her. Her concept of learning was you sit down at a desk and you get taught something and she's a good, con- she concentrates well and 
She's she's quite good at remembering things. She does well in tests. So once that was taken away from her, yes. and the, you know the record, yeah, she she's one of these kids who gets lots of achievement awards. She felt a bit like I don't know. I'm kind of I'm kind of bored, and I don't think she, it took her a little while to realize. I used to say to her, "You're still learning, honey. It's just a different type of learning." But there's also a de-schooling process, isn't there, for these children that come from a mainstream setting? Totally, totally. And it takes them time to actually understand that they're not breaking those old kind of patterns of how to learn or what yes, they think totally. learning is. Yeah. And I think um, she did some great projects. She made a recycled raincoat out of, sorry, she made a raincoat out of recycled plastic bags. So um, the kids used to be able to put um, ideas up on the wonder wall and hers got selected. So she got extra time with the science teacher to make a prototype with two of her classmates. I mean, mm. I thought that was fabulous, you know. Yeah. Um, made lots of hands-on projects. They made these um, organic face creams using organic products. But I think she was craving a bit more of the academic side. Mm. And we also realised that she's she's quite an academic kid and she, as most Australian families when they go over to green school, which follows the Northern Hemisphere school cycle, she either had to be pushed forward six months or repeat six months. And because of her age, they said she should repeat six months. We came to realise that grade four, which was the year she was in, was probably a bit too easy for her. And, you know, that's one of the negatives that might come with this type of environment. You have kids from all over the world who have come from vastly different education systems suddenly plonked in this, you know, on paper utopian school. Some kids had no English, Mm -hmm. you know. So Mm -hmm. that was, you know, that was their struggle. And so Taylor found it, to be honest, a bit basic. She found year four a bit basic. And so we kind of thought when we decided to stay a second year, I thought it's got to be challenging for her. I don't really want to stay here, you know, and she's got her heart half in Sydney missing everybody. So we floated the idea of bumping her up. So instead of putting her into grade five, well, let's see if the school are willing to bump her up into grade six because we'd met a few kids um, who were the same age as Taylor, who were a year ahead. Mm. So um, the school were open to that. And so when we decided to um, stay an extra year in Bali, because it was originally going to be one year only, she began grade six, which she was now one of the youngest in grade six, which was middle school. So it was almost like a double jump for her. She was skipping a grade, but she was also starting middle school, which is a kind of whole different learning environment. They call them Mm. neighbourhoods at green school, Mm. which I love, like learning neighbourhood. And so that was quite challenging for her. And we kind of saw she started to thrive. She had a little bit more control over her learning. She could choose subjects um, she had multiple teachers instead of the, the one or two teachers for her primary class. And we saw that she started to thrive a bit, little bit more uh, within the school system. And I and loved middle school for her. I thought it was a really great experience for her, more so than primary, I think. I think sometimes, like I said, with primary school, with the for the English-speaking kids, if they're at kind of a little bit more advanced, it could be a little bit basic for them. Like I said, there are children there that don't know English yet. You don't really get that so much in middle school and high school. So they were just some of the challenges we had to overcome. And so your decision to stay beyond that was cut short by the pandemic. Yes, we committed to a second year. We got about eight months into that second year 
so it was, you know, March 2020. <laughs> You're right here in the in the book. We have visitors planned for April and May. One by one, they cancel on the 11th of March. It's my birthday, so oh that my was goodness. A, um, the World Health Organization declares an international pandemic. The following day, the schools across Indonesia are closed. Green school switches to online learning a few days shy of its spring break. So. That was an interesting experience for you as a family to see the unfolding of this pandemic, to be experiencing the initial stages of it in Bali, but also to make that decision that you needed to get home. It was so unusual, Jane, because life in Bali was fairly normal. I mean, obviously the schools were closing and we could see what was happening around the world. There were hardly any cases in Bali at the time. Oh, if any, actually. And there was this madness happening happening around the world and Australia in particular. So we were, you know, staying up to date with what was happening in the press in Australia. The borders were going to close and we were really in this dilemma. Things feel good here. Is this the best place to ride out this pandemic, really? But we had elderly, we, my, Tyron has had, a, had an elderly mother in a nursing home in Australia and I've got two parents that are still alive, that are elderly. And I guess ultimately the fear of being locked out was the the fear that overcame us and we decided to come back to Australia. But like many people who'd found themselves overseas, we really thought it was only going to be four to six weeks. Yes. You know, until it all calms down and then we'd hopefully come back to Bali and finish off the rest of the school year, possibly even stay a little bit longer. We, we we packed packed bags for a one-month trip back to Australia, left our villa exactly as it was, came back to Australia and, you know, as everybody knows, <laughs> couldn't get out again. Um, and we are very grateful that we, we did come back because Ty's mum passed away in July 2020 and we got to spend a bit of time with her after that initial lockdown um, in 2020. And I think we would have been devastated if, like many other Australian expats, we'd been locked out of the country and she passed away and we'd been unable to return. That would have Absolutely. been heartbreaking. So yes. it ended up being the right decision for us. But I think part of me writing the book was getting closure to the whole experience. You know, well, really. It sounds like your journey kind of started with a, a whole rollout of stress and is this the right thing? And then it was out of your control. And then the end of it was out of your control so as well. True. So it's a, so I hadn't it's a, thought of that. You're right. Yeah. So it's a whole experience of just because nothing's in our control in life, no. you know, and to really have that on steroids, as well as this incredible family experience in between. What do you think as a family, what do you think came out of that, the key takeaways as a family for you? Well, I think initially when we came back during COVID, I often say, I mean, say, they say at Green School, they try and teach the kids to bend like bamboo because bamboo is very flexible and very Love bendy. That. It's an yeah. amazing, it's an amazing building, a sustainable building material. So this has become a catchphrase in our house. Come on, let's bend like bamboo. So I remember saying it during COVID. I kind of felt like I'm so glad I'd had, you know, 20 months of this kind of concept in our minds. I was like, the whole world is having to bend like bamboo. We've got to bend like bamboo. Everybody has to. And we still say it now. So it's about, I think the big takeaway for our family was learning to be a bit more flexible. Yes. And also 
the benefits that come with taking a leap of faith, the rewards that come when you do take a leap of faith. If that's something I hope that experience has instilled in Taylor for her future, I'll be really happy with that. Ty was already that way inclined. He's very Mm. much um, an optimist, but I guess my natural disposition is a little bit more of a pessimist. Taylor's a little bit like that, plus the history that I had, which kind of led to me being a little bit more of a you know, nervous Nelly and a lot more cautious. I think that whole experience has encouraged me to embrace the unknown. And that has translated in me writing the book. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I, I say that um, going to green school, going to Bali was a leap of faith. What was mm-hmm. the first leap of faith? I think writing the book became the second leap, leap of faith. Can I do this? I mean, yes. I'm a first time published author. So can I do this? Do I have what it takes to write a book? That little that little critic on your shoulder that's constantly telling you that no, you're not. Well, mm. you've certainly done it. It's Thank a great you. read. I went on to Goodreads to check out some of the reviews and one stood out. It said, firstly, I would like to say if you pick up this book, you won't regret it. It's an extremely (laughs) engaging story that will immerse you in the culture and journey of living in Bali. The ups and downs that come with every change. It's an inspirational story that once you read, you won't want to put it down. It's written beautifully and the characters relate to the audience in a way rarely seen. The whole idea of going green is different to most novels because it's a family's journey. So read this book and feel part of their adventure. P.S. I'm so (laughs) proud of my mum for writing this book. The many hours of effort have definitely paid off and everyone who has read it has absolutely loved it. Well, she's right. I did. (laughs) Thank you. Um, You've done something right there. If Taylor has read it and reviewed it. My kids have never read my books if they ever listen to this, which they won't, (laughs) you know, but it's wonderful. Clearly. That's so sweet. Yeah. And I think that was one of the things because Taylor didn't, you know, she's not a typical green school kid. She didn't warm to the experience straight away. I really struggled with how much, how to portray that, how to balance her. I, you know, I, I felt a real responsibility. This, I mean, that's her story. You know, I'm telling, I mean, it's our, our family's green change, but you know, who am I to tell how she felt about green school? That's her story. So I felt a real responsibility in making assumptions about how, how our daughter was experiencing that particular journey. I made sure she read everything beforehand. I wanted to make sure she was happy with it. And I tell you what, she's a good little writer and she's a very good editor and she would give me pages back. (laughs) Notes. Notes and corrections. (laughs) Mum, you've used that word too many times. It's a bit repetitive. Good on her. She's actually a really good editor. I just wanted to make sure that, you know, it's our family's heart that I've put, you know, on my sleeve, but I want to make sure that they they were happy with that. And, well, um, they must be happy with it because it's great. And I think sometimes as a parent, you know, you can respectfully provide what a child needs within the, you know, if they're the type of child who needs structure and uh, because I've got my younger son used to get very anxious. That was a real problem for him. But I too pushed him out of his comfort zone because we all get pushed out of our comfort zones in life. And I think it's actually a really good experience for a young person to get pushed out and to take that on with them later. But for anyone who's interested in the Green School, you can go on to greenschool.org and have a look at school that is 
absolutely incredible. The book is Our Green Change, A Journey to Green School Bali and Beyond. It's inspiring. It's interesting. It's heartwarming, often funny. It's great. It's great. It's a really great read. Sandra Radici, thank you for coming on today. I'm so honoured and thank you for saying all those beautiful, kind words. I still don't feel like an author. Look, no one feels like an author even after 20 books, so you're in good company. (laughs) Thank you so much for your time today, Jane. Thanks, Sandra. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.